Hi everyone, welcome back to You Better Work. My guest this week is Camille Leone, an editorial assistant. It was great to be able to feature someone from the publishing world and have a chat about some of the weird similarities between things that I'd been through and things that she'd been through, which I'm realising is a common thread throughout my videos. As always, please subscribe to the channel and give this video a big thumbs up. Hi Camille, welcome to You Better Work. Hi Amy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to you and you're the first person that I've had on the channel um, from kind of publishing background. So it's going to be really interesting for people watching, I think. Um, so I just wanted to start by going back a little bit, actually. Um, you mentioned that you were the first person in your family to go to university. And I wondered how you decided that you wanted to go to university and how you kind of chose your subject. Um, I think it is, it is more than just university, to be honest. I'm, I'm the first person in my immediate family to do anything more than to, to even go to sixth form, to be honest. Um, but I'd always kind of, I'm not really sure, I just kind of naively assumed that I would just go to university. There was never really kind of a, a time when I was a kid where I really thought I'd do anything else. I didn't know what I would be studying. But I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go to university and do some research and something. Um, and then somehow managed to do it. Um, but it, it was difficult, I think, especially because sort of the, the school system and university assumes that most people who go know someone who's been before, whether, they, you know, it's their parents or like siblings or, or family members. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. No one at sixth form kind of, I didn't even really know what a lecture was. Sort of, I'd, I'd seen it in, you know, like in films and everything, but um, I didn't know how they worked. I didn't know, you know, you're allowed to ask questions, what, what happens in them. Basically, it's just somebody talking at you. So it was a lot of sort of basic level, you know, people, th things that people take for granted that I just had no idea how it worked really. Um, but that made it, terrifying and fun in a way you know I, I kind of turned up on my first day of lectures and was just like okay so <laughs> what happens now um but I I think it was it was difficult but it, it was quite fun like especially sort of telling my parents what was happening because they had no idea what university was like either um so you know I'd be like oh and, and today we went to a lab and I did some experiments they're like Whoa, okay <laughs> um so it was it was fun, it was hard with sort of no background knowledge, but I, I did enjoy it a lot. And you went on to do your MA in zoology. What led you down that, down that path of that subject? Um, I've always really loved animals. I think most kids do generally, you know, I, I grew up watching the, the really wild show and sort of Steve Actual's like deadly 60 animals and stuff like that and, and of course David Attenborough um, and I got very interested in marine biology when I was I think I, <laughs> I randomly heard somebody talking about it when I was about six and didn't really know what it meant but it sounded really cool so I was like oh okay I'm gonna be a marine biologist um, and then as I grew up I was like oh that actually <laughs> means something um, and then when I was in sixth form and researching universities I was still quite set on, on being a marine biologist and then um, sort of I read how much you had to do, how a lot of the course was actually about plants. And I, I personally wasn't that bothered about plants. 
Um, and so I decided I might as well just do straight zoology and just kind of learn all about animals, the behavior and everything. Cause I've always loved the natural world, but I didn't, I didn't want to be a vet. So many people ask, you know, does that mean you wanted to be a vet or you wanted to work in a zoo? And it was more kind of the, the behavior conservation sort of side of it that I was interested in rather than, you know, the, the biology side about how their bodies work and everything. Um, cause you know, there's thousands and thousands of different species of animals and they're all so different to us even you know chimps who are our closest relatives uh, they're so different in their behavior and and you know where they live as well um i just think it's so cool how you can compare different animals to ourselves and to each other and you mentioned your sort of soft skills that you developed through your degree and i wondered if you could describe a little bit about how you got from your masters in zoology to your current role as an editorial assistant? Um, I think, um, and this is something that I've heard from several people who, who work in publishing, that it's, they, most people kind of get into it accidentally, at least sort of the academic publishing world. Um, you spent, we, we did a lot of our time at university, several modules were on sort of writing articles for like newspapers or, you know, more academic sort of journal articles. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that. I've always quite liked writing. I wanted to be a writer when I was younger, but just kind of never really, I'd, I'd start writing stories and then get bored and never finish them. But um, sort of looking at, at things from the other end, sort of the, the publishing aspect, I, I really enjoyed that. And it got to sort of halfway through my master's and I was looking for jobs afterwards and just saw some adverts in for, for editorial assistance in, in academic publishing and you'd sort of be managing the review process for academic articles. Um, and I just, just applied kind of almost on a whim really um, and, and got an interview and, and found that I actually really liked it. It's, it's sort of, um, I've, I've always been interested in the communication of, of scholarly communication sort of, you know, like like Attenborough documentaries or going to museums and leading classes on sort of the natural history world. And this was kind of a, it was a lot more of a, a formal aspect of doing it, I think sort of, you know, the actual researchers do all of this explaining stuff and I help them do that. Um, which I've always found was, was quite a nice sort of aspect of my job, I think. You've touched on it a little bit, but could you describe sort of what a typical day or week might look like for you in your role? So my role at the moment, I'm an editorial assistant for uh, medical books and academic publishers. So I essentially in a, in a very dumbed down kind of way, I project manage doctors writing books on sort of on anything really. I, my, main topics are neurology, reproductive medicine and pathology books. So I help doctors who are experts in those subjects write chapters on basically to help other clinicians sort of identify diseases and, and work out how to treat people. Uh, so a lot of it is sort of time management, asking them to, to write their chapters and, and help them with any queries that they have, formatting and, and writing and stuff like that. Um, I write blurbs for the manuscripts when they're actually submitted. I go through and, and see that we've got all the content that's delivered because quite often <laughs> you just sometimes manage to lose a chapter, uh, which can be a bit problematic. Um, 
and doctors are you know very very busy people so often they don't have a lot of time to to um, devote to writing so you do have to nag them a little bit uh, which is I would say probably about 80 percent of my job <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is it's a lot of fun I really like it I've I've met some really cool people um, doctors who are you know just incredibly incredibly clever people uh, who've sort of imparted some wisdom um, which as someone who doesn't really have a medical background I've just been like oh my god that's amazing like how can you even know that uh, so it's yeah amazing what sort of little things you pick up really it's really interesting I think one of the things that I'm really enjoying about doing these interviews is finding these roles that you might not necessarily know exist so I think people think of um sort of like children's book publishers or um trying to think what else like yeah just sort of fiction publishers in general I think that people think of and um you know might have watched films where they've got publishing houses mm -hmm. featured and you don't necessarily think of all the other types of book all the other types of roles that there are involved um so I think that's really really useful explanation just wondered sort of if someone was watching this and thinking oh that sounds like it could be for me what advice would you give to anyone looking at a career in academic publishing um i would say just go for it really i didn't have any experience in in publishing um and and i've i don't have a degree related to what i'm the, the subject that i'm working in and, and neither do a lot of my team most of them have english degrees some of them have a, a biomedical background that they did at university but it's not really specifically relevant um a lot of the time all you really need is to be well organized and and even then sort of you know i, I let things slip by sometimes but you need to be able to to communicate well um i think because you're you communicating with your team members all of these doctors who are very busy they don't have time for you to kind of faff around and and sort of say oh i don't know maybe we should do this so i think a lot of the time you have to be quite decisive as well you have to sort of make a decision and then communicate it to to the people you're trying to help um because that's ultimately what what my job is i'm, I'm helping these doctors write their books and they can't do that if i sort of don't have a, a solid answer to give them yeah that's really helpful i think sometimes we think so often in qualifications or having something totally relevant and sometimes those transferable skills and a fresh pair of eyes can be the most sort of useful thing that you can demonstrate when you're applying to these types of roles so i think that's really really useful advice um i wanted to go back a little bit in your bio because you mentioned in your first role you were in a very toxic environment could you tell me a little bit about this and how you sort of dealt with it and moved on yeah it was it was my first job straight out of uni I, I hadn't even technically graduated um when I started there it was it was a week after I'd moved back home um and it was my first ever office job I'd, I'd before that I'd always just worked in retail and it was just very I was in a a skyscraper building in the middle of London I was commuting like two hours each way on the train and it was just not a very I'm not quite sure what the right word is <laughs> not very supportive environment um, especially for someone who was you know fresh out of university um, 
I didn't feel like I got a lot of sort of support from from my team. Um, there was a lot of sort of passive aggressive um, sort of talk, and there was no really kind of. I always felt like I was doing something wrong, um, which as somebody who <laughs> has has definitely got a complex about doing things right all the time, that was that was very hard to to deal with. Um, and to kind of be be told that you know even though you've got a master's you're not really sort of worth very much it was it was very hard to hear um you know you it was very much like you don't have any experience in this so you're probably always going to be wrong um which yeah was i spent <laughs> i spent a lot of time on the phone to to friends sort of crying at lunchtime which was not very healthy um and so i stuck it out for about 6 months or so and, you know, I was trying to convince myself that basically it was me that was the problem. You know, it was everyone else in my team seemed to be okay with it. So if nobody else is upset, then it's, it's me taking things too personally. Um, and then I had a, a really sort of frank talk with my mum about how terrible I was feeling, basically. And, and she said, you know, this is not <laughs> what a job should feel like. You've never had a job that's made you feel this bad before. So, you know, it's probably not you that's the the factor in this is it's probably the the job um so I, I i did actually kind of that took me by surprise really I'd, I'd spent so long sort of internalizing that it was my fault that i should be the one to change that i kind of didn't really realize that it, it, it could be anything else um and i i was too stubborn to to give up at that point i was i thought you know if i've made it six months i'm going to try and stick it out for a year and, and see, you know, maybe by that time I'll have more experience and I'll, I'll know what I'm doing a bit more. Maybe things will change. And so I sort of stuck it out for a few more months and it wasn't really getting any better. So I, I decided to look for some more jobs. Because um, I just, I, you know, I was, I was spending five hours a day commuting to this job and hating it. Why, why devote so much time? To, to something that you know you don't enjoy really um it just it really wasn't worth it um so i eventually kind of had enough really and, and just handed in my notice i didn't i'd had a few interviews but hadn't sort of got anything else in the pipeline but it was taking such a toll on my mental health that i decided i just kind of needed to get out of there um which was a tough decision in itself but i felt so much relief afterwards that i knew it was the right thing and, and luckily, I, I was very lucky in that I was still living with my parents at that point and I could stay with them. I paid them a little bit of rent and for food and everything while I was looking for more jobs. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, how difficult it would be for someone in that position if they didn't have their parents or somewhere else to rely on. But I, I took a few months out just to get back to myself, really, because my, my confidence had taken such a, such a knock from, from that job that I couldn't even really begin to apply to new stuff because I just didn't have any faith in myself at all um but it was actually I in in the break I decided to to learn how to drive and sort of I think that actually taught me to be a lot more confident because you know you're in charge of a very heavy fast moving vehicle if you don't believe what what you're doing you know it's, you're gonna crash um so that, that weirdly did actually help with my confidence. And, and after that, and, and I passed my driving test, I felt, you know, if I can do that, then of course I can go back to work in an office. Yeah, so, I, think yeah. I, I just, 
I echo so much of that because I had the exact same experience. I had a graduate job lined up. I was so excited. You know, not all of my friends had jobs. Mm. Same thing. I think I started like a week before I graduated officially. And it was awful. It was awful, awful. And um, I won't kind of bore you with the details, but very, very similar to what you've described in terms of crying at lunchtime, crying when I got home, thinking mm. that it was me. And like what people didn't understand was I really got on with a lot of the other people there. So I didn't want to leave some of the people, but they didn't have a problem with the culture or anything like that. And then like, yeah, I think about five months later, I just left with nothing to go to, um, which was which was a horrible feeling. And also I felt really guilty because I don't, even now I don't like handing my notice in, but that was the first time I'd handed my notice in because I'd always had temporary jobs. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to hand my notice in. It's going to be so awkward. Like, I don't, you know, and they were fine about it actually because so many people left on a regular basis because it was such an awful place to work that actually they were quite used to the protocols of people handing their notice in. Um, and, you know, I'm sure if anyone's watching, like say it, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And also, you know, you had your parents, I lived with my partner at the time. Um, but I said, I will literally find any, you know, I'd worked in retail like you. I was like, I will go back to working in retail I actually really enjoyed that far mm. more than I'd enjoyed working in the office for five months so you know if you are watching um sometimes like you say leaving um, for your mental health for your own well-being is just the right thing to do um if you can so yeah I completely resonate with everything that you're saying and actually you're not the first person that I've spoken to that's had the same experience I think we often at university it's like here's lots of careers advice, here's how to get a job, here's how to do your CV, you know, and you're so focused on getting employment that you don't actually think about what comes after you start. You mm. just kind of like, I've got a job, that's great. You know, that means my degree has been worthwhile. So yeah, no, that's really interesting. So moving on to kind of what you're doing now, I just wondered what it is like being a young woman in publishing. Um it's it's pretty common to be honest um publishing is um it's quite uneven sort of with uh, um in terms of gender like a lot of the the sort of early career people are, are young mostly mostly women um and then at the top in like in most industries most of the directors are, are men um so it can be a bit difficult sometimes to see floods of of women sort of in in lower paid roles and then have a look and be like oh okay where do i go from here you know I, I don't really have a lot of role models um in a way I have you know my, my manager's a woman and, and the head of my department is as well so my my current company is is pretty good in in that respect um but it is it can be difficult sometimes to to know that it's it's going to be hard as, as a woman in the workplace to get anywhere um I do I think it's nice though in a way because it means you have a bit more of a community um there's a lot of in, in publishing there's been a lot of talk lately about sort of diversity both in terms of gender race um you know whether you're lgbt etc 
Um, so there's there's definitely things that are moving in, in that sort of sense. And there's been lots of initiatives, both within my company and within the industry as a whole, um, which I'm really pleased to sort of be taking part of in, in terms of sort of getting more more people in, more women, more men in, in sort of a variety of roles. Because, um, you know, we're, you know, 50% of the, of the population, you know, we, we definitely deserve to be, you know, roughly 50% of the workforce, especially sort of in, in terms of the higher paid sort of roles. Um, because we just, you know, women have just as much experience as men, possibly slightly different viewpoints, which I think are always useful, um, really, in, in terms of sort of, you can't get anywhere new by doing the same different the same old things with with the same sort of attitudes you, you need sort of injections of of different viewpoints and i think that can only be improved by having more diverse workforce really yeah i think that's really interesting what you say about how common it is in certain industries for the more junior roles to be women and i think um, when I started in sort of the museums and heritage sector, I was meeting loads of women who were a similar uh, job grade, if you like, or the grade above. And I was like, this is great. It's so like diverse and there's so many women and this is really brilliant. Mm. And then I started to realise that when I went to meetings with people who were higher up, the women got less and less. And I sort of was thinking, right, okay. And then all the kind of um, data about the gender pay gap came out and I realised that actually I was in this microcosm of junior people which like you say was a lovely community but it wasn't representative of the organisation as a whole so um, yeah I think that's really really interesting. I wondered if you could talk about what career progression is like within publishing um, and what might be next for you or what's next from the kind of editorial assistant role. So in the most sort of basic terms, the, the next step up from an editorial assistant role would be to be an editor. In, in my specific company, it would be a commissioning editor. So that's somebody who would go out and contact doctors, uh, sort of professionals or whoever we want to write our books and ask them, you know, do you have an idea to write a book or I've got this idea, would you like to write it for me? And keep an eye on sort of the, the current topics that are most important in sort of what's what's going on with you know with with the latest research for example and and actually go out there and and get people to write those books for us um and there's it's it's difficult in publishing because it's it's like most industries i, I suppose there's very few roles sort of the, the further up you go um and it, it can be difficult to sort of make that jump up. Most people in, in publishing tend to hop between different companies because um, there isn't a lot of progression necessarily in your own company. So you have to sort of jump to somewhere else to get a leg up the, up the ladder, um, which can be difficult. I, I love the company that I work for currently, um, but there's not a lot of open spaces at the moment, especially with the, the current economic climate. So the likelihood is that I will probably have to move at some point and go somewhere else to, to progress. Um, but I think that's, that's becoming more common anyway in most jobs. You, you do get bored, I suppose, after a while. Um, so I've, I've been in my job for about 18 months now, my, my current role. I would say the hardest thing is that there isn't 
unlike with with some jobs you don't there isn't a set path to progress which i think is difficult sometimes you go from being an editorial assistant to a senior editorial assistant but there isn't an actual step-by-step guide on how to do that you know you don't perform a certain number of tasks or and, and sometimes it's, it's related to how long you've been in the role but that doesn't necessarily i think for me always work because sometimes people can be in the role but not be quite as sort of proactive as someone who's relatively new but wants to get ahead a bit more and, and is a bit more sort of hungry um i think to progress so it, it can be difficult um to know where you're headed next i think um i would i would love to stay in publishing i'd love to stay in my company but i'm not sure how likely that is given how how many gaps there are basically in for me to sort of get a, a toehold in i will say though my I've, I've been thinking lately about sort of career paths and personal development and stuff and actually I've, I've always been a bit scared of, of talking to my manager about it because I, you know, sort of thought, well, what if they think that I think I'm too good for my current role? You know, I'm, I've got you know, ideas above my station, that kind of thing. But I actually brought it up recently in a meeting and my manager was really, really happy about it. She was very pleased. You know, she said she wanted she wanted to hear that I wanted more responsibilities and, and to take on more tasks and stuff. And she's actually got me involved in a few working groups that I was interested in but didn't really know how to approach anybody because they were you know quite her directors so I think another I, I think the best advice I could give there is if you want to progress you need to talk to somebody about it whether that's your manager or, or someone else who's sort of a bit higher up the the chain than you I think if if they're if they're good then they'll want to help you as well because they remember what it was like to sort of be in, in your role and in, in a sort of more junior role yeah, I think that's such a key recurring theme that keeps coming up in the videos is people advocating for mentioning that you want to progress to your manager. I, even though it feels like the scariest thing for all the reasons mm. that you've mentioned or they think you're going to leave soon. And I always say that if you do in the slight chance have a, a bad response, which, you know, there is a possibility that you could then that's a reflection on your manager or your organisation and not on you because like you say most people are very um, supportive and they, if they develop you there's benefits for the company as well so I think um, yeah I think that's a great piece of advice. So my final question is what are you proudest of so far in your career? That's a, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um... I think what I'm most proudest of is sort of growing my ability to get back up after I've been knocked down. I think um, I was never hugely confident as a as a kid, but I think going to university and then all that I've been through with my jobs, it sort of told me that you know, yeah, occasionally you'll come across people and environments that aren't the happiest or the healthiest for you, and sometimes you know it will like things will happen that will hurt you but you can't let that stop you you know you're you're worth more than that and you can get back up and you can make a difference and, and find somewhere that where people are supportive of you they trust you and they'll help build you up but you have to sort of play a part in that as well you have to learn to believe in yourself um and then you can actually take you know all of that advice and support and, and work on yourself so I think I think that's what I'm most proudest of that I've sort of 
gained the ability to to believe in myself really i think that's lovely and i think um you know there'll be a lot of people out there watching who will take comfort in that and think about their own situations and their own self-belief so i think that's a really lovely a lovely note to finish on and i just want to say thank you so much for your time and for coming on because i think that'll be really useful for people watching yeah that's great thank you for having me it's been it's been really fun to talk so i hope you enjoyed that video with camille it was great chatting to her about some of the similarities between situations we found ourselves in. I think a common recurring theme is if you want to progress and you're not sure how to do it or you want to gain extra experience, speak to your manager. It comes up time and time again in every interview and I think it's so important. So if I can give you one piece of advice for the week, it's ask your manager how to progress. As always, thanks for watching. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at workbetteryou. Please give this video a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell to never miss a video again and have a lovely week. Bye.